All right, hey, look, check this out, guys. This is what our kids' church is learning about. This is their snacking. I think it's so awesome. The armor of God. Check it out. Yeah. So our kids right now are learning about spiritual armor and how to walk in power. Isn't that awesome to know that our kids are learning how to fight spiritually and know who they are in Christ? Amen? By the way, if you, um, we need help in children's ministry. So uh, as you know, that's a big ministry of the church. So as, as we continue to grow here at the rivers and uh, continue to seek God, um, if you feel called for that, make sure you talk to me or one of the staff or um, Mark and Darlene over at Kids Ministry. Get involved, get plugged in, and there's anything from preparing snacks to uh, making crafts during the week. You can uh, do a teaching on one of the Sundays, get on the teaching team, be an assistant. There's all kinds of stuff for you to do, so please, there's a... It's fun, thank you, yeah. She's like, it's fun as I'm going in there. <laughs> keep smiling, keep smiling. So, if you... If that's your desire, talk to us. We have sign-up sheets out there, and you want to do that. Second thing this week coming up, uh, Wednesday night, we have two great things. First, at 6 p.m. this Wednesday night is our annual church business meeting um, to find out what's happened last year, what's going on this year. Good time for us to come, so come together at 6 p.m. And then right after that, at 7 p.m., we're having a worship night this Wednesday night, worship and prayer. So what we're going to do is just get in God's presence. And we're going to say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, it's, this is totally your service, like every service should be, correct, right? So we're going to pray for each other, just worship God and see what he does. It's going to be awesome. If you went to one, has anyone been to worship night before when we did them in January? Did you like them? Anyone like them? Yes. Yeah, okay, so they're good. Okay. I love them, so I'm going to be there. It's going to be a great time, so don't miss out on that. And then if you're uh, here for the first time um, visiting with us, um, you should have got a connection card. And if you can fill that out and pop that in there, we want to get to know you and just get you plugged into the church. Um, we got a lot of opportunities to serve here, so if you are coming here to hang out, that's totally fine. You can hang out for a little bit. Just a few weekends, you know, get your bearings, and then we're going to put you to work. Because, hey, there's people going to help. And unless we work as a team and work together and start doing the work of the ministry together, that's when we're going to be most effective and get people saved, right? Uh, at the end of the day, that's it. So if you're a first-time visitor here, uh, fill this out, pop this in the offering, and that's all we're going to ask for you to do today. So sound good? Okay, so we got an exciting week. We, we want you guys to be a part of that. As we prepare our hearts for offering, I'm going to pray over our, our tithe and our offering time. And I just want to say as we do that. Oh, yeah, Saturday, March the 3rd is our missions. Yeah, that's in your bulletin. That's on the slides, too, before and after service. But the, this Saturday, 6 p.m., if you want to serve, please talk to Kelly or myself. Me and Jen are going to be there. Ken's going to be doing worship, right? Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to film that one for sure. We'll play that video next week, Sunday, so don't miss next Sunday. No. Um, and then I think is the... Paige is going to speak, yeah. so uh, a youth pastor from the uh, Sacramento is going to come out and speak, so great time, so come join us. Eight people, it's really cold this week. Yeah, going to be cold, feeding a lot of people, it said 80, about 80 people, so come ready to serve. That's a great, if you've never done that, I would encourage you to do that. It's super fun to get out and serve, and when you do that, when you serve, man, it just it brings so much joy that you just, it, you, it's like you plug into a new joy socket of God, and it's like, wow, there's so much awesome joy that comes through that, so. Well, let's pray, and I want to say before we do our tithe and offering that um, God is faithful. You can trust him with everything, and especially your first fruits. The Bible says in Proverbs that we're going to bring our first fruits to the Lord. And that's out of an honor and respect for God and who he is. He calls us to do it out of obedience. Not because it's easy. It's not always easy, but God's always faithful. And he will always supply your needs for you. 
So as we hear our kind offering today, let's ask God to take that and bless that because you know what? It's going to be used to get people saved and to do the ministry of God's kingdom here at the Rivers Church. Sound good? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful, God, that you are a God who um, gave up your own very son for us so that we could have an eternal life, not just in heaven, but eternal life starting right when we ask you in. And so, God, we know that your eternal life starts in us the minute we say, I surrender. And your life begins in us anew. We're a new creation. So, Lord, I pray, God, as we trust you, uh, Lord, with our finances, Lord, as we trust you with all that you've given us anyway, Lord, we give back to you a tithe, Lord, to show you that you are the king and especially you're our king. So, God, we ask you to take these monies, use them for your glory, and use them for your kingdom, Lord, because we want a bigger family when we get to heaven. And it's there right now. So, Lord, we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen? Amen. 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 Okay, so today we're going to do it a little differently. As you notice, the worship team stepped down, and I'm going to have to steal one of their things, and they're going to get down at me. But I'm going to keep it really good. So what are we going to talk about, church? Worship? Yeah? So now, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to change up service a little, and I'm going to get into the Word right now, because I'm going to teach a little shorter than normal. Better not say amen, Ken. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm going to preach a little shorter right now because we're going to practice what the Holy Spirit's going to preach and teach through me today. Sound good? So we're going to see what God's Word has to say about some specifics in worship, and then we're going to get the chance and the opportunity to uh, put that into practice right today. Does that sound good? Yes. Are you with me? Yes. All right, turn your, turn your neighbor and say, if you're with them, then look like you're with them. Okay, so you're like, come on, dog, get here. So, hey, so before we get started, um, you can take the, uh, the little snap there off. Why don't you play that video of Bo? Is she here? No, I got it. Oh, where's Bo? Where's my media person? Tim Hawkins? Yeah. All right. Turn the volume up. <coughs> Watch this video on uh, where's the pretty one. Turn it up. It has its own worship style. Which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship. Some people more subtle. It's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's um, it's a hand raising church. That's what it is. Right? That's what, you know, anybody here go to a hand raising church? Who here does not go to a hand raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying on that thing. Hold my baby, hold my baby. 
doing light bulbs. It's a nice one doing light bulbs. Got goalposts. Everybody loves goalposts. Throw the heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalposts. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can one hand go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. Rocky touchdown. There you go. Oh, man. Good stuff. You know, I wanted to share that because worship needs to be fun. There's some serious times of worship. I'm not taking away from holy moments and that, and that, of course, is there. But worship was designed to be a celebration. Worship was designed for you to celebrate. You know what's interesting, and I'm going to get into it a little bit. In fact, I'll, well, let's just get started. I want to talk about what we've talked about before today. And one of those things was about King David. Remember we talked about King David and about the fact that he celebrated before the Lord. And remember Michael, his, oh, not his wife, it was Saul's daughter. Remember how the Bible did? I thought that was interesting. And she said, oh, look what the king did today out there, you know, plotting it all before the girls. And he said, I will celebrate before the Lord. I'll be even more abased than this. Means he'll be even more lower than this. He'll humble himself even more before the Lord than this. And, I, and I was, as I was reading through that, I was just studying some Hebrew words. And I, I looked at the word celebrate. And sometimes we think of celebration in our, whatever we've grown up with. But the word celebrate really means to laugh, to be amused, be merry. And so what a great picture of David, King David, celebrating before the Lord, laughing before the Lord. Guys, worship is about an enjoyment, an expression of our, of our gratitude and love and everything we are to God, which includes fun, excitement, enthusiasm. And that's why at the rivers, we talked about last week how we wanted to make sure that as we continue to go as a church and grow, we want to make sure that worship is a key element of, 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 that we have at the church, that we're going to be a church that worships. We're going to be a church that presses in and gets all of God we can. We're going to be a church that doesn't just hold back, but we give it all. And as we did that, we talked about what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, enthusiasm is contagious. And as you pour out your heart before God and do like David did, unashamed worship. As you do that, you draw people to God. Did you know that? If someone walks in here and they see a bunch of statues, no one's moving, hymns only, organ and piano, that's the church I grew up in, I'm telling you, there's, yeah, there may be a reverence, but there's more to God than that. He's an exciting God. Look what he created. Look at the world, the universe, church. And when we walk in, there needs to be an excitement and a celebration about God and his presence. King David, look what he did just to bring in the presence of God into the city of David. He sacrificed every few steps. He danced before the Lord. And took up all his kingly stuff and went for it. 
And he said, just wait, Michael. I'm going to be even more humbled in my own sight than that. You just wait. And I'm telling you, church, there is a power and anointing when you let go and give it all to God, unabandoned worship. Amen. And I'm telling you, church, I'm going to be preaching this till I die. So as long as I'm here at the, at the rivers, I'm going to be encouraging and exhorting and challenging you to go more into worship. Why? Because the Bible says it? Y yeah, but no. You know why? Because there's freedom in it. Yeah. There's freedom in it. There's freedom when you give your unabandoned heart to God. You don't care what people think about you. And you, uh, you, you institute your body in the forms of worship. You, you can't only just worship from your mind. You can't just worship in your heart and that's it. No. The Bible says what's in the heart is going to come out the mouth. It's a principle. It's a principle of the spirit, uh, soul, and body principle that it's going to happen. So whatever's in here is eventually going to come out. That's why when you watch sports, some of you, you go crazy. That's why some of you yell when your kids sick yell. You express, right? That's why when you get good news about something, everyone got some really good news? Yeah? Like really good news? Oh, thank you. That's really good news. You know? No. You're excited. You're, you, you express with your, oh, no. You jump up and down. You shout. You scream. That's awesome. Right? So as we're talking about worship, we're getting into the actual acts of worship. We need to remember about King David and the fact that it's fun. And I, and I love that, you know, that we do all those little things. But it's not about those. It's not about what you're doing, it's about the fact that you're obeying God and you're giving Him worship. And we're going to look today at the worship and we're going to look at what the, there's two Hebrew words that are integral, winded into the word hand. And we're going to look at those today and see how those, and then we're going to practice that together today. So in review, uh, you have on your notes there blueprints. We talked about last week the blueprints. And what did we look at for the blueprints? This is the interactive part of the series. What worship is, but when we looked at the blueprints, the plans, where did we go to find those? The tabernacle and, yeah, and, and Isaiah and Revelations. Remember, we got a snapshot into heaven. Remember that long scripture I read about Revelations and the, this train was filling the temple and his eyes fired. We got a picture that it was so loud, the worship, there were so many hundreds of thousands of angels worshiping with all their might that the doorpost of heaven was shaking. Because of the praise and the worship of, of, the, of the created beings in heaven. Remember that? So we got a picture. And we showed that. And that's important because we're not going off the mold of what we saw in our church growing up. Or we're not going off what we were in our last church or even what we see here. Whatever. We're not going off the blueprints of man. We're going off the blueprints of God. God designed us. God made us so he knows how we can express worship. He created. We didn't create worship for him. He created worship in this whole process for us to, become, to come into his presence. So we looked at those blueprints and that was important. And then we looked at the approaches. Like we, I heard a couple of people say, the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of David. And we looked at those differences, different types of approaches to God. And through the tabernacle of Moses, we know that it took a lot of blood sacrifice. A lot of laws and regulations and rules and you had to wear certain things and do certain things. And a lot of processes to get there. But the main issue was that you had to go with a sacrifice. Blood. You, can't, you couldn't come close to God without being cleansed and made holy. And 
those sacrifices were that part uh, to make you holy. Then we looked at uh, King David and the tabernacle of David, which was different, which started to, started to show us a picture of Jesus in the New Testament about this, the blood sacrifice ending, right? And now we, we bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise to God, and that's how we enter. And so even in the Old Testament, there were times where they would, yes, they still sacrificed, but the tabernacle of David was open to Gentiles. Remember we talked about that? Open to Gentiles. Oh, they could come in and, and seek God. What a beautiful picture of what G, what's happening now through Christ. So as we look at that review, and we, we, we see that we're wanting to approach God. Remember what the word worship meant? All the dog lovers should say amen. Yeah, remember licking the master's hand, remember that approaching and loving on God. That's what we're about, church. When we come to church, it's not just about a sermon or an, all great parts, coffee, fellowship, love, prayer, all that's good stuff. But the main reason I'm showing up every Sunday is because I want to worship and seek God with you all. That's why, that's the main reason I'm here. Because it's our vision, remember our vision, church, is to know God and to make him known. Very simple and easy. To know God, not just know about him up here, but know him intimately in our hearts, personally. And then as we know him personally, then it's easier to go spread that love to other people and share him with the world. So that's our, that's our goal. And part of worship is critical for us holding to our vision. If we want to keep our vision and do our vision, we've got to press into God and seek him with all of our hearts. Amen? All right. So let's look at uh, something before we get into these two Hebrew words. Uh, I want to look at that transition. I found that, you know, just looking through scriptures, a cool scripture that gives a picture of this transition from the Old to the New Testament. Because a lot of things change through the cross. Amen? A lot of things change from Old Testament to New Testament. And we've talked about this before, and you may have heard it. But some things change. For example, um, adultery was uh, a sin in the Old Testament punishable by death. But in the New Testament, Jesus even took it deeper into the heart and said... If you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So he took it deeper, fuller. And then he did that with anger, too. And, he, and what's interesting about worship and praise is that you don't see a whole lot of instruction for the corporate worship. You see a few things in the New Testament, but there's not a whole lot of that. Because, remember, David, through the tabernacle of David, began the, the swap. He began the change and the transformation that would happen through Jesus Christ. So everything King David taught us through Psalms and through his life on worship, goes right through the cross. There's the same thing. So the lifting up of hands, the shouting, all that same stuff never changed in the cross. God, or excuse me, Jesus didn't go and say, hey guys, now we're in the New Testament. We don't do none of that stuff. So that, that worship of worshiping God, with, whether it's bowing, shouting, dancing, crying, clapping, all that stuff is all still relevant for today's church. Amen? So that's a key principle because a lot of, there are some churches that believe that that was all old and we don't do that in the New Testament, which is not God's heartbeat at all. So look at Hebrews chapter 13, 11. Hebrews chapter 13, 11. Try and get down so we're at 10. We're doing good. All right, we're doing good. So transition Old Testament to New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11 says this. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Verse 12, so Jesus suffered also outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So we're talking about the rituals of Old Testament blood sacrifice and Jesus being the final new sacrifice. Verse 13, therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, 
meaning we're temporal here, our, our city we seek, that is yet to come. Verse 15, through him, then let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. So we see that transition from the old sacrificial system to the new sacrifice. Now it's, it was an animal. You had to bring an animal or a flower. Or there's a bunch of things you could bring for praise. Now it's a sacrifice of praise that we present. So when we come together, whether it's two or three of us in a house or a church on Sundays, we're to come with that attitude of bringing a sacrifice of praise, bringing something to the Lord. And what I want to point out in this, not only the transition piece there that I think you guys all see pretty clearly, but is the, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge him. It's an interesting word. It means really, the Greek word means, it's homologios, but it means the same as, to say the same as. Homo means same, this other word means to say, so it's to be, to be in agreement with, or to profess, or to admit, or declare. And so I, I began to think of that word, and man, that, that sounds familiar. Where else is this word used? Well, this word is also used in Matthew 10, 32. Jesus said, so everyone who acknowledges me before men... I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Oh, I thought, man, the same word Jesus said. If you acknowledge, profess, and agree with me, and profess out of your lips that I am your Lord, I will confess you and acknowledge you before the Father. And then in Hebrews it says the same words used that as a sacrifice of praise, praise tied into this acknowledgement. Our praise is tied into acknowledging with our lips who God is, who, what he's saying, professing and coming into an agreement with him is a powerful statement of what our worship is about. So when we worship and we sing to God and we profess things or we lift our hands and we're just shouting maybe praise to him or declaring his goodness out of our mouth, we are confessing his name. What a powerful statement that Jesus will say to you on the throne when you come up and he says, you profess me in front of man. Now I'm going to confess and acknowledge you before the Father. Because, you know, a lot of times we're not confessing or acknowledging God in our mouth. We may live a good life, that's all good. But praise is intricately tied into the profession. When people, visitors come into your life, when you're singing a Christian song, you're telling God's awesome, or amen, and, you know, let's pray over your meals, or whatever you can do to acknowledge that and show people the of Christ, you're acknowledging him with your mouth. The fruit of your lips bringing acknowledgement that, that Jesus is your Lord. So I want you to see how that's tied in to uh, worship. And that our worship is an acknowledgement of that. So kind of an interesting play on words there. So today I'm going to talk about two Hebrew words. And I'm going to talk about these words that are intricately tied into our hands. And I want to talk about the, the fact of language. So there's a huge language barrier from the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, Concurrently, us reading it in English. And so what we have is we've had translations, and that's been translated into the Aramaic and the other, you know, so there's a bunch of translations, a lot of stuff to be looked at. And through all that translation process, we have a lot of words that can be misunderstood or not seen quite the right way. So whenever you have, whenever you read the Bible, you should read it. This is a side note. When you're doing your devotions, you should um, do that your devotions with several versions of the Bible. If you're reading through something and you like it, and read it through a different version. The phone gives you, you know, your phones today give you tons of options to read through the Bible in different um, translations. So that's a helpful thing to do. So and it's interesting because in about the mid-1600s when King James translated the Bible into English in the King James Version, 
they had a bunch of people, I, I think it was 16 to 20 people that were all in there and they were translating the languages to English and trying to get those words. Well, there's a lot of times when they translated those, there was a lot of influence on what tense or sense of the word you could use. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you have to really study to um, show yourself approved and to know really what God's saying. Well, one of those words is praise. In fact, praise was more of a generic word that was given for several Hebrew words. So there's, a, there's, there's about 50 words in Hebrew that are all, all used about praise, but there's a lot of words that are translated into English, praise, but means there's a lot of different variations of how that word's used. So you can have one sentence in the Bible, which we'll look at in a little bit, where it has the same word praise, but they're two completely different Hebrew words. But it's translated into the very same word praise. In fact, there's seven Hebrew words that are all at some point translated into the English word praise. So that should give you a glimpse of a picture of like, oh my gosh, so there's a lot more to just praising God than just the word praise. Just one sentence, oh, let's praise God. Well, that could mean a whole myriad of things. In fact, I'll, be, I'll go in the future a little bit and say there's one word in the Hebrew that the Bible says there's one verse that says God inhabits the praises of his people. And so a lot of people think, well, yeah, so if I just start worshiping God's inhabiting that praise, well, that's not necessarily true. The Hebrew word for that is tekilah. We'll learn about that word later. But tekilah is the root word halal, which is hallelujah. So tekilah is a deeper form of worship where it's an expressive form, and we'll learn more about that. But that's the praise that God inhabits. Because what we're going to talk about today, the first one is todah. 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 Todah is a Hebrew word, which this is the word picture for that word. Okay. And so that's not the praise that the Bible speaks of him inhabiting or dwelling. So we'll look at that more. So there's a lot of Hebrew words translated into English. Does that make sense to everyone? Are we good there? Okay. So as we go through this, the reason I'm going through these words is so that we get a more broad view, an expanded view of what worship is, what worship contains, what can happen during a worship service. And remember, we're not talking about worshiping God, worshiping God in your life. There's a lot of ways to worship God. We're talking about corporate worship, right? Well, I keep saying that, so we remember that. Okay, so the hands are very powerful, very symbolic. Our hands, you know, if you think about what hands are involved in, how much they communicate, aren't they communicating a lot? I mean, they open doors. They close doors. They, you know, they welcome strangers. They're guilty. Fed up. And then there's nasty fed up ones too that we <laughs> The hands are used in a lot of good ways, a lot of ways to communicate, uh, you know, to other people and to our community. So the hands are a big part of it, and the hands were also a big part of the words in Hebrew. Hebrew was just not a word that had a definition. Hebrew goes in word pictures. They were a lot of times simulated with a picture, not just the definition. So the picture of todah is actually a thank offering. That's the definition, but the word includes the picture of the hands out like this, cupped up like a, giving an offering, a sacrifice to something or someone. In fact, um, if we look at that, I want to look at um, how the first word todah was used in the scriptures, and that'll give us some clues. But listen to some of the definitions, because there's, like I said, in the one word of todah, remember there's seven words all translated one English word, so there's all these different meanings. 
But in this one word, there's four different uh, senses of them and ways they're used. So it gets intricate, but it gets full, and it gets actually should excite you because worshiping God is so incredible when you get lost in his presence. So this word, tadah, to give praise. And then look at this. Praise rendered by acknowledging and abandoning sin. If you think about that, that praise, sometimes we come and we, we start to worship, it's about acknowledging when you brought, in fact, the first word used was in Leviticus 7, and it had to do with the Thanksgiving offering. So it was the, in, in, in Leviticus 7, 12, it says, if he offers it for a todah, then he shall offer with his todah sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil. So that word for, that's translated praise is also translated thanksgiving when it was an offering of a thanksgiving sacrifice. So the word is, is tied into sacrifice. It's tied into giving God sacrifice and, and not just about thanksgiving of the past, but as we'll see, of the future. And in this case, in the first sense of this word, acknowledging and abandoning sin. And it's talking about when you go to God and with a sacrifice, you're acknowledging, right? You're coming to God because you messed up. And in the temple, you're bringing a sacrifice to cover your sin and to purify you and make you holy. So, and then it's an also in that meaning of giving that, acknowledging it, there's an abandoning, saying, man, I screwed up, God. Here's my sacrifice, my, my kodah to you. And saying that, I'm giving that, I'm saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I recognize that this is not how you created me. And that this sin is not conducive to how you made me, so I'm going to not do this. And I'm going to abandon that because I know your ways are better than my ways. Amen. Are you with me? So that's part of worship. It's part of the Todah offering. Another sense is Thanksgiving in song. So you have that where we sing. You also have the instance Thanksgiving in choir processions. Many times this word was used when a whole group of people Todah the Lord with a Thanksgiving as a choir sings. And as I said in, in Leviticus, that was the first meeting. Whenever you're studying the Bible, it's a good side study note. Whenever you're interested in, in studying a word, go back to the first time that word was used in the scripture, and that will give you a good indication of how you want to build and, and look at that word. Uh, for example, um, we'll do a series on this later, but there's a uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Remember Paul's thorn in the flesh? So if you do that, the, the important thing there is to understand what thorn means. And you have to use this technique to study the word. So when you study the word thorn, you need to go back in the word of God and find out what that word and how it was used in the whole scriptures, in the whole context of scriptures. And when you do that, you'll find an amazing truth in there that we'll do one of these days about what that thorn was that Paul was talking about. And it brings a lot of clarity. So it's a good technique when you're looking at this to always go back to your first and and maybe we'll do a, a, a series on, on how to do word studies because it really is fascinating and fun. So um, anyway, so I want to, uh, Bo, are you back there? Um, we put up the, the map of the tabernacle. So you guys all, this is just your basic picture of the tabernacle. And as you know, on the right side there, the gate, there was only one way in. Only one way in to the, to the temple, the tabernacle. And uh, there was only one way in and one way out. And we know who that stands for, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's through Christ that you come into the presence. But as we talk about the, um, the word todah, it talks about um, 
the entering into God's presence. Look at Psalms 100. It's actually titled a psalm for Torah, or a psalm for giving thanks, or giving a, a thank offering. And so it's, it's an interesting combination of Hebrew words um, for praise. So, so we see the entrance on this place, there's only one way. What's the first thing you see in front of the sea? But can you see the first little yellow box there? Altar. Sacrifice. In that time, blood. Cost. Endearing things you had to be it was, it was a big deal. Look at this. Look at Psalms 100 verse 4. It says this. Enter his gates with Todah. Enter his gates with Todah. And into his courts with Tehillah. Give thanks to him and Barach, his holy name. So, and all those words are all translated at one point in scripture, praise. So you could say, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks and praise his name. And you would think, okay, it's all praise. But they're all different words that help us describe and learn more about the true essence of what God is asking for us and wanting for us in worship. So I think it's very interesting. So in, in his book, The Hallelujah Factor, uh, Jack Taylor said this about Todah. He said, this word is used in connection with an offering and can be taken to mean to extend the hands in a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving, or thank offering. In at least one case, it seems to be involved that which is not visible yet. It is an act of faith beyond which God moves to bring deliverance. This is seen in Psalms 50, verse 23. Listen to this. He's still speaking. This is a quote from his book. He who sacrifices thank offering, or todah, honors me and prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of the Lord. So the todah praise is, is, a, is a picture of a faith act of what God is going to do. He continues to say this. It may be at this point that the sacrifice of praise is most significant. Here in Todah, we have the type of praise that does not yet see the victory. How many of you are in that place where you haven't seen the victory yet? You're looking for it, you're believing for it, you're praying for it, but it hasn't quite come yet. But here in Todah, we see that, that you haven't seen the victory. This, you, um, this type of praise does not yet see the victory, does not yet see the solution, does not yet see the answer. Common sense, human visibilities, and logic are sacrificed along with the thank offering of Todah. Did you hear that? You're believing for God to do something. It's hard. All your normal logical senses around doesn't make sense. You can't figure it out. You don't not know why what God's doing. And he says that this Todah offering of thanksgiving, your human visibility, your common sense and logic are all sacrificed to God saying, God, I don't get it, but I trust you. Amen. That's a Todah offering. It's giving God that thanks offering and saying, Lord, I believe, even though it's hard to see, you're going to come through for me. It's a faith praise. When you exercise that, you are operating in faith. You're believing that based on what God said, it's going to happen, even though you can't see it in the physical. You begin to call things that even though they're not, as though they are. You're walking in faith, church, and we can do that. It's a, it's a great opportunity to begin to entrance into thanksgiving. Amen? I will enter his gates. And that's why I talked about this word first. There's no magical sequence to these words. 
Because you can jump right, you can walk in this building, and you're so pumped up from your prayer time that morning, and worshiping in the car, and you're set, and you're already at a place of, you might even be on Tehillah when you come in the room. <laughs> and that's totally okay, and I, I encourage more of you to come in Tehillah, where you've already done the sacrifice, you've already spent time on your face in that morning, getting your heart right, getting rid of junk in your life, putting your faith in God, trusting Him, and you walk in this building, and you're halfway, you're almost in the full presence of the Lord. That's what it's about, church. So there's no magical sequence, but this is a good number one first phrase because it talks about entrance and it talks about your will. I will enter. I will bless the Lord. I will. It's about a, a worship that says, I have to make the choice to do this. You have to choose. It's not, no one's going to make you go, or what do you say in the TV? The big screen. Yeah. No, no one's going to make you lift your hands, but I'm telling you, stuff happens in the spirit realm when you operate in obedience and you begin to do what God says no matter what you feel like. There's a huge thing that happens. I'm telling you, this is scary to the enemy. Because if you get a hold of this, his whole kingdom starts falling apart. Just like Paul and Silas in the jail, remember? The enemy thought he got them. All right, I'm going to take these boys out. What did they do? They got their behinds kicked. They're bloodied up. They're in a prison in the deep dungeon, chained up. What did they do? They start singing songs of thanksgiving to God. Yes. And then deliverance came. That's exactly what it all means. You're believing God. We're going to change. We just got our butts kicked for your name. They're, they're rejoicing in that because there's an honor with that. And I, I'm going to praise you anyway. My, my future looks glim. I don't get it. Why am I in chains? I'm trying to serve you, God. But, you know, we praise him and he comes through for us. We many times come to the Lord without the victory or the solution or the, or the answer. But this is where faith comes in and we trust him. Todah, in your notes there, comes before deliverance. The type of praise. You want deliverance? You want breakthrough? You want things to change in your life? Start worshiping with all your heart. Yes. Praise him. Todah him. Bring the sacrifice. The fact that the sacrifice means it's going to cost you. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> but you got to do it out of obedience. What a beautiful picture we have in Jonah of this word, too. It's actually used in the book of Jonah 2.9. It says this, but I, Jonah speaking inside the fish, okay, doesn't get why he's there. He's running, he knows it, but look what he says. But I, with a song of Todah, will sacrifice to you. Tied in the sacrifice. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And then immediately reported in the very next verse. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So it was through the praise, the thanksgiving of Todah, that brought in deliverance to Jonah. And he's the same God that will bring it into you if in the midst of your circumstances, pain and suffering, you will Todah the God of heaven. You will give him thanks. You will worship him despite how you feel. You do it anyway. And that's what brings freedom, church. That's the secret, one of the many secrets of worship. I want to show you really quickly to move on to the second word because we've only got a few minutes. So there's some other significant uses of this word, and you can write these down if you want to look at them later, but Psalms 42.4, Psalms 50.14, 
Psalm 612 and Psalms 952. I'll read those again. Psalms 42, 4. Psalms 50, 14. Psalms 612. And Psalms 952. And 612 may be wrong because I have a whole punch right there. I might have taken out a number. So if that's not it, text me and I'll send you the right one. But Psalms 42 4 says this These things that I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go um, with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of the Lord with shouts of joy and todah among the festive throng. 5014 says, Sacrifice, thank todah, or todah to God. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, which is todah. And fulfill your vows to the Most High. Um, Six twelve says, "I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offering to you." Todah. Ninety-five two. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving. Todah. And extol Him with music and song. So those are combined together, and that's why we are doing this in the beginning of worship. And a lot of people are going, "All right, God, I need you. You know, you're, you're believing for stuff, and that's why we start singing to Him. That's a form of worship." So that's Todah. Uh, it's 612, but it could be 16. I'll let you know. I'll check my, my uh, notes on my computer. Got a whole bunch in the wrong place. There's no. There's no Psalm 6. Okay, then it must be 16, 26, 36, 46, 56. Yeah, so you're going to be this. This is my trick to get you into Psalms this week. No, no. So we'll, we'll get that after service. So uh, that's Todah, okay? So now, what's interesting is this is, uh, that word is Todah. The next word is called Yada. And some of you have the Hebrew on your notes, some of you don't. But I just put that in there for fun. But the word Yada is actually the root word of Todah. And the root word is Yada. That is a root Hebrew word. And Yah means hands. And the A-H added on the end of a Hebrew word was God, or in the direction of God. So it means, actually the definition of yada is to cast forth or throw forth hands. Okay? So we see yada, to throw or to cast. And then look at what the Hebrew lexicon says uh, that defines yada. As. So these are kind of interesting because it gives the bigger picture of the word. And one of them in, in there, number one, is to profess, to confess, or to show or point out with the hands extended. So it's really the idea of casting forth your hands, like this. Another sense of the word that the lexicon talks about is to give thanks, to praise, or even to celebrate. So celebration is in this word as well. And you don't have to write all these down, but listen to this next part. Since thanksgiving and praise naturally follow the acknowledgement or confession of benefits received. Interesting that this word talks about, you know, because here it's more of you're thanking God, but it's an act of faith, and maybe even thanking Him for what He's going to do and believing for that. Where Yada is where, wow, you're awesome, God. You're, and then you can start recounting, oh, you've done, you were faithful to this person, you did this. You know, it's, it's a, it's professing and giving praise out of the benefits that you received. The same word is used in Jer Jeremiah 50 when the prophet was speaking out against an enemy nation, it says this, because it's translated to shoot. Set yourself in array against Babylon all around, Jeremiah says, all you, God speaking through him, all you who bend the bow, shoot at her. Spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. So in this case, 
The arrow, it was shooting an arrow, and that's the picture of yada. Hands shot up to God. And you're saying a lot in that. There's a lot to say within that of shooting your hands up to the Lord. Psalms, uh, Psalms 134.2 says this. Enjoin uh, us to lift up our hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lift up our hands and bless the Lord. Um, another sense of it in Nehemiah 8.6 says this. We see that all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. <coughs> Same word, Yada. Uh, the psalm declared in Psalm 63, 4, I will lift up my hands unto your name. Paul in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 2, 8, says this, I would, I would that men everywhere, or pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. So we see that in the old and the new. You guys, I want you to get this in your hearts. This word was used 110 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot. It's one of the most used praise words in the Bible. Yada. Shooting your hands up with an act of thanksgiving. But listen to what Jack says again in the book Hallelujah Factor. Listen to what he says about the word yada. He says, I want to be frank with you understanding the risk of offense. The exercise, this exercise, is one of the most explosive and meaningful expressions of praise. I believe that God loves it, the flesh hates it, and the devil is devastated by it. I believe that with this exercise, yada, faith stands firm, Fear takes flight, and joy takes hold. Yeah. Our hands are an inevitable part of almost every response pattern. We talked about that earlier, how the hands are involved in everything. And in this picture, it is a sign to God, a praise to God, saying, you are it, God, everything you want. It's a thanksgiving and honoring and praising his name. You know, it's interesting because this is the inter international sign of surrender, right? And that's what you're doing. You're actually pointing your hands in yada because it, it has a sense of in the direction of power. So you're really saying, God, you're it. You're the man. You're yeah. the one. It, you know, I'm surrendered. I'm submitting. I'm, I'm yielding to you. I'm giving it all to you. So you're, you're surrendering to God. But that's not really the deepest essence of the word. Because you would think that that's even the deeper. But, you know, to me, the deeper essence of this lifting hands up to the Lord is those of you that have children or grandchildren. And you remember, come on, the first time that little guy or girl goes up to you, pick me up, up, daddy, up, up. And they got their arms. That's the picture. That's the Hebrew picture of Yana. And that's when it says, you're saying to God, I feel safe with you. I desire you. I want to be in your arms. I want to be close to your face. All protection is in you. I want to be with you. And that's the deepest part of the word yada. That's the deepest form of praise is when you, not only as, as we looked at in a, a comical way of all the different things, there is something about not being able to lift your hands up any more than you can. <coughs> There's a power 
release in the spirit when you obey God. God isn't saying when you feel like it, if it's comfortable, if no one else is around, if you're just not an embarrassed person. He doesn't say any of that. He says, lift up holy hands. He says, yada, the Lord. It's, a, it's not a statement of you got to do it, you should want to do it. But there is a command in the sense of this will do something for you. He creates it not just for you to, oh, let's just raise it. No, he's doing it because it's going to release and do something in your life, in your heart, and in the spirit realm. Guys, when you do this for the first time, and some of you have never done this, the first time you do it, I, I remember the first time, and I probably told the story at a camp I was at in junior high or early high school, and I had never raised my hands. I came from a church where you didn't even do this. No, no flat screens, no TVs, no faucets. But when I first did that, it was hard. My flesh hated it. That's why this guy's quote stuck out to me when he said, the flesh hates it, the devil's devastated by it, but God loves it. Because I'm telling you, and I can do this. This is okay. I got to this part where I was, I was you know, got my courage up, but I, I had never done this. And the minute I did, decided to do that, not only did God break through in my own life, God broke through in the small group of 25 kids that were at the cabin at winter camp. And the Spirit of God fell, and the, the Holy Spirit began to minister to people. God started healing people. God started speaking to people. And it wasn't actually through the gifts of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about soon, about how that can flow through the Holy Spirit and speak to us and we do gifts. It was God directly one line into each person. The Holy Ghost falling on people, speaking life into them, and courage and love and faith and destiny on their life. And I'm telling you, it was through, remember how we talked about this, a, a pathway to deliverance? Yeah, this is like in the midst of it. There's something about that. And I'm not saying it's a magical thing that you have to do. It's not, it's not so much about this as it is this saying this is okay. And obeying God. It's really your heart. This is just an outward expression of what your heart is saying on the inside. I don't care what anyone thinks. I want God's opinion only. Man's, pra man's praise doesn't matter to me. God's praise is what matters to me. That's all I want. That's all I do. I'm totally yours, God. I'm abandoning all my own stuff to you. I am a slave of the Most High God. You purchased me. You bought me. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Nothing else matters. I'm yours. Amen? Are you with me, church? Come on, I'm telling you. This will release it. But you've got to conquer fear. God's not going to make you do it. And, and be careful. If you don't ever do it, you still go to heaven. It's not, a, it's not a question of God's recreation in your heart. Okay, are you with me? I'm not saying this is something you should do. You get to do as a Christian to release in you more of God and to, for you to reach deeper depths of his presence. And I know some of you have experienced his presence, but God, don't you want it more? Yes. You ever experienced God's presence is never enough. And you always want more. Amen. And, and corporate worship is a place where he brings us together to show us that. Guys, it's about surrendering to God. And as the worship team makes their way back up, I want you to picture, those of you that have kids, if you don't, I know it's hard, but there's nothing better in your heart than to experience a little one or two-year-old. Right, Donna? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right, Liv? Right? You know what I'm talking about. God is feeling the same way about you. Yes. And when 
you do that, it means a big deal because you're not only walking obedience, but you're telling them, I want you, God, I want more of you, and I want you above all other circumstances. So what I'm asking today, guys, is we're finished a little bit early than normal, so that's good. It's only 10 after 11, but we're going to spend time worshiping right now. And I want you guys to focus on God. I want you to, sorry, guys. I want you guys to focus on on Todah, bringing that sacrifice. If you're in a place for now where you got a lot of things that aren't coming through and you're just trusting God, maybe you just need to go, God, I've got a lot of things in my heart and a lot of stress, anxiety, and stuff, and I just, I want to place that on the altar. Maybe in this first song or so, you're just going to be focusing on God and you're just going to be going, God, I'm just giving you all my burdens. Jesus said, come to me, my burdens are light. Cast all your cares, Jesus said, upon me. Right? He wants to take your burden. So give them to him in, 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 in Todah. Right? And then some of you are going to need to fully surrender. Because some of you have never lifted your hands straight up. Some of you have fought in that and are embarrassed. you got all kinds of stuff going on. But I'm telling you, some of you are going to go, God, I'm just going to do it. No one's going to be looking around. Don't care what other people think. And if you don't want to do this, you can be free to not do anything. I'm telling you, I love you. I think of you the same way. I know this. We're all on different journeys, guys. We're in different places. But I'm just encouraging you guys, Coach, Pastor Doug, to go for it with all your heart because the prize is worth it. The surrender is awesome, and it releases power in your life. So we're going to take 15 minutes or so to just worship. I want you to find a place to worship. If you want to stand with us, you can stand. But if you don't want to stand, don't stand. Maybe you just want to get around and kneel on your chair. Maybe you just want to sit there and you're, God's dealing with you right now, talking to your heart. Maybe you need to go find a place over here on the side or in the back or whatever or in front here. And you just want to get with God. It's freedom, guys. The Rivers Church is going to be about freedom and worship. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? So get with God. Love on God. This is about Him, not you. Not what you're doing, but about God. So open up your hearts to what God has for you. Don't push it away, but open up to God. What do you have for me? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, as we go into worship today, we pray, Father, that you would be glorified and magnified. Lord, that you would show off your power. You would show off your glory as we worship you. Because you're worthy of all of it. Everything that comes out of our mouth, anything we could possibly do in our worship, God, you are so worth it. You are so magnificent, God. You deserve it all and so much more. But we give all we've got in our minds because we're so grateful. We're so appreciative of who you are and what you've done. And we love you so much, God. We want to express that. We want to tell you how much we And we want all of you, God. So we reach out our hands, Lord, saying, here's all of us, God. We draw near.